Acts chapter 10. We started a new series on the anointing of the Spirit. And I wanted us to look into this subject for the main purpose of using it or have it work in our lives to our advantage. God said, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. He didn't say they didn't have knowledge. He said they lack it. So the insufficiency of knowledge relating to any subject has destructive consequences. In other words, what you don't know enough of will not work for you, but lead to your destruction. So they are destroyed. They have knowledge, but it's insufficient. And that leads ultimately to their destruction because of the gap, the vacuum, of ignorance that feels that lack of knowledge. So it is important that if we attempt or pursue some knowledge or knowledge in our lives with the expectations of it yielding fruitful results, we must be diligent enough to ensure that we seek out the full and composite knowledge regarding that particular subject. So really where we fail in life is not really in the attainment of knowledge, but where we fail in life is in the lack of diligence in the attainment of the full and composite knowledge. So half knowledge is not enough. You need epignosis. The Bible says that grace and truth can only be multiplied in our lives through the full and accurate knowledge. The Greek word there is epignosis. It means it's Ginosko in its entirety. So, it doesn't matter what area of life or area of knowledge you require, your responsibility. If that knowledge is going to work for you and will be applicable in your life, it has to be full. It has to be full. 
the reason why they are failures in life is not because they don't know. They know, but they don't know enough. So knowledge is a threshold that can grant you access to its possibilities. However, if you are not diligent in attaining it in its full composition, you may find that very same knowledge being a curse to you, being a thorn in your life. Why? Because it's not full. So in your application of it, th there might be some processes that you do not do that leads to destruction. You understand that? It's like if, if you want to build a C4 bomb, right? There are certain steps you need to, to, to apply. The lack of that application would result in either that bomb not working or doing something that might kill you. So knowing something is not enough if you don't know it enough. That's why the Bible says, continue. You that know the Lord, continue. Because provided you have the full knowledge, the adequate knowledge, and the accurate knowledge, your life may remain in limbo. And you may wonder why. Why do I know Jesus? Why do I know God? You know him, but not enough for you to change and transform your life. So you don't stop at knowledge. No. You stop at full knowledge. Epignosis is what is required for preservation. Because if the lack of knowledge destroys, that means the fullness of knowledge preserves. Why are the humans who live better quality of life than others? We, we may link it to many factors, but the main reason behind that reality is that those who live a better quality often know more of the right things than those who don't. And this is the same in spiritual knowledge as well as in life knowledge. So, Your objective in pursuing God should never be about just knowing Him. It should be about knowing enough 
of him that that knowledge produces. You know, if you read the book of um, Peter, Peter says to the church that if they do not want to be buried in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they should sponsor, they should continually add to their faith certain qualities and virtues that would ensure that their fruitfulness in the knowledge of Christ is sustained. So this is the same across the board. When you go write an exam, the examination test you are given is going to validate whether your understanding or knowledge of the module or the course is ripe enough for you to progress to handle more information of the same subject. Should you fail, your advancement is stifled. Should you fail, you do not advance. Why? Because what purpose is there that you fail your grading, yet you still want to attain more knowledge of the same subject when you could not retain the knowledge given to you at that level? If a boy or a girl goes through school constantly getting C's or E's or F's, what guarantee is there that that individual will make it in life? Or if, if there were a, a prospect to you, what guarantee is there that they would make a good wife? Or they would make a good husband? What guarantee? The, the likelihood of that being so is diminished, is diminished by the fact that the lack of diligence and discipline is revealed in their failure. Anything hard that you develop the discipline and diligence to overcome, you will overcome. Anything other than that is excuses, irrespective of the results or the justification. It is excuses. So imagine if the evaluations throughout their, their school, C's and E's and F's. Because that's reflective of something that is wrong internally. In their perspectives, and in their views. 
You don't go to school and then decide that you are the principal. You don't go to school and decide that now you become in charge of whatever happens in that school. You go to school to be a pupil, to be a student. And the responsibility of a student, of a pupil, is to learn from his masters and teachers. Now, that test is a reflection or representation. Number one, probably of your rebellion. Number two, probably of your inability to act, to do, and to follow instruction. So while getting C's and E's at school may not mean that you'll be a failure in life, but it sure as much as reveals something about the lack of discipline and the lack of diligence. So, I just use that as, as, a, as, a, as an example, right? <laughs> well, you can use that as a criteria for measuring a prospect, right? And what's the difference between the A students and the C students? The only one thing, it's not wits, it's not intelligence, it's diligent, it's discipline. You understand that? It's discipline. It's discipline. So when it comes to knowing things about life, things about uh, a career of interest to you, half knowledge is not enough. You should be an expert. You should be an sp a specialist. Because it's only specialized knowledge that, that, that distinguishes you that distinguishes you among the generalities. So you cannot say that this is your career and you, be, you are general, you won't succeed. You won't succeed. You cannot pursue a career and, and, be, and be general in your scope of knowledge and understanding about that particular thing, you will fail. If you assume the throne given to you, inherited by your father, and you have no understanding of the breadth and the length and the activities of your kingdom, you will lose your kingdom ultimately. So you, you constantly have to be in touch. Constantly have to be in communication. Otherwise, you want to fail. Who you want to blame? You can't blame anyone. You cannot blame anyone. Because failure in life is attributed to an individual. Because no system, no matter how destructive in its end, has you in mind when it is designed. So you can never possibly say, that the system is designed against me. Well, was your name on the agenda of its creation? 
That kind of rhetoric is the reason why many people's lives do not develop, do not advance, do not progress. So progression in life, progression in life. The Bible says the just shall be delivered, shall be put over through knowledge. So knowledge not only strengthens the resolve of the desire you may possess, but it ensures that there is sustainability of that particular objective that you want to accomplish. So, if you're gonna progress into it, knowledge is the first step. If you wanna be sustained and thrive in it, full knowledge is a requirement. Specialized knowledge. That means you should be able to handle knowledge beyond the curriculum, beyond what you are given. Now it is the same in spiritual matters. What you don't know will not work for you. Because in the spirit, knowledge is an activator, a precursor to every experience. You shall know even as you are known. Because it is the knowledge of relationship. It's when one comes into a union with what is known, where you, 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 like what the Bible says, and Adam knew his wife. That means going into the intricate details that is not observable to the public. That's intimate knowledge. So the question you need to ask yourself is, is why am I not successful? Why am I not prosperous? Why am I not advancing in life the way I would desire? The problem is that social media has killed you because it has made you think that the paragraphs and the quotes that you post out are enough to alter your mindset. So you end up thinking that, Oh, you know, you, you know the quotes you guys post, right? Right, you, you know the posts you guys post, right? You know them, you are aware of them, right? Hard work is king. <laughs> Don't give up, it's gonna be all right. Those are just, those are just extractions, extrapolations, in fact, a very minute part of what comprises the changeability or the ability to transform life. So quotes will not change your life. They may motivate you, but they will not change your life. Now, imagine if quotes motivate you. Imagine a quote can, can inspire you, right? Imagine what a pl the, a, the plerotha of knowledge consistent with that code would do to you. Why? Because truly, we have a desire to grow, to develop, but an adverse relationship to discipline. The discipline of the pursuit of knowledge.
And that's what our world has done, right? It, 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 has, it has almost eradicated the need for process by constantly imprinting in our head the destination, the end goal, the dream life as it were. Behind that dream life, behind its, its, its existence, are pillars that ensure that that life is a reality. If you don't have those pillars, if you don't know what they are, no matter how many dreams you have of the dream life, you will never live it. And that's what really fantasy is. It is upholding a desire and prioritizing it above process. And that's why we are so addicted to these social media platforms because they keep validating your fantasies, but they never show you the process. can't learn all the ease about running a business, running a family, creating a life of your dreams in a one minute reel. <laughs> so ask yourself, why do you invest most of your time in that? It's a drug. Is a drug that justifies and shrouds your lack of apprehension, the discipline of apprehension. And that need, that need is a revelation of the depravity of knowledge that you possess. So my people, are destroyed. Ah. Because they lack. They lack knowledge. That's why he says he, he desires that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. You know, wisdom. Because what is wisdom? What is wisdom? And how does wisdom function? Wisdom cannot function in the absence of knowledge. It cannot. What makes wisdom superior is its ability to manifest or bring manifestation or result out of knowledge. That's what makes wisdom superior to knowledge. Yet wisdom without knowledge cannot function. It cannot. And, and this is what we define as a wise man or a wise woman. If, oh, excuse me. If, if, if you, 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 you all see that this is on the edge, right? And should this thing fall, it might break. If you look at this 
and then walk away. You're not wise. Right? Why, why aren't you wise? Because you know the outcome and yet you avoid You are not wise because you did not apply what. So wisdom begins when you act on knowledge. You know you must work hard, but you don't. You're not wise. You, you, you get that? You know you must be respectful but you don't do it. You're not wise. <clears throat> and that's what, that's what made Jesus so enigmatic to his generation. He was a mystery to his generation. How do you explain a man whom the Bible purports to be an expression of the love of God? Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus is the expression of God's love to humanity. But how, how do you explain this Jesus walking into a rendezvous of sick folk and yet walking out with only one healed and the rest remained in their state? Where is God's love there? That Jesus was in their company. He came and he left and their conditions never changed. How do you explain that? Because even though he loved, he functioned by what? Something greater than love. It's called wisdom. Wisdom is a higher dimension of love. The Bible says, let your love grow in what? Let your love grow. You, you, you cannot love beyond knowledge. That means that love, love is not in the facilities of feelings. It's not in the facility of feelings. To feel does not mean you love. So Jesus might have felt pity. He might have felt compassion. But he knew something greater. Do you understand that? He says that you may know what is the length, the depth, the height, and the width of the love of God. The love, to know the love, to know it. So you can only access God's love through knowledge. It's only when you know certain things that you realize God loves me. God, so so you, 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 you never, one moment in your life, ever need to feel that God loves you. You need to know it. So even love, the greatest and most enduring principle of all, requires knowledge to grow. 
requires knowledge to develop. So he was constrained to heal them by a knowledge that his love could not transgress. So what did he know? Because love functions by knowledge. Knowledge functions by wisdom. So, you cannot pursue a life of wisdom without knowledge. The Bible says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, they are always coupled together. All the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are hid in Christ. So, what you need to do, you need to know first. You understand that? So you cannot take advantage of what you don't know. And that's why knowledge is always an advantage. It's always an advantage. And coupled with wisdom, it is a dimension. So question is, what is required for me to extract the full benefits of like, for instance, we're discussing the anointing now, of the anointing. You have to know all there is that is revealed about it. It sounds easy. It sounds simple. That I can just get all knowledge and then, uh, you know, information, right? Not knowledge, information. When is that information translated to knowledge? It, it is when it is assimilated. Until you assimilate that information. Like now, in the world today, there, there's information about anything. Right? There's information about anything. Anything you may want to get involved in, information is available regarding that. But it's not knowledge to you. It only becomes knowledge when it is assimilated, when, when you take that body of information and begin to assimilate it, and begin to assimilate. If it is not assimilated, you may live and die, and that's what the Bible says, and be destroyed. Why? Because you lack the knowledge which suffices for the quality of life you want to live. So at any point in your life, there's, there's no reason why you should ever cry. There's no reason why you should ever cry. Because to cry, to, to, to cry indicates despondency, indicates hopelessness. And many times it indicates the laziness to discover. So you, 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 you can know, you can find out, and then begin to build a life, a career, a marriage, a home, a business, a dream from knowledge.
And what is most important about knowledge is, is, is not its retainment, is its usage. That means you can retain knowledge and fail. You can retain knowledge and fail. Like some of you, 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 you know scriptures, right? You, you know scriptures. <laughs> I mean, you can quote them. Right? What, right? Spiritual Instagrammers, Facebookers. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. And that's not going to help you. Listen, that is not going to help you. It's not. What's going to help you is rolling up your sleeves and learning the discipline of assimilation. If you can't learn that, if you can't learn that, hmm, Life will be tough for you. So my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's what that verse means. So Acts chapter 10. Imagine Imagine if you knew that there's such a thing called an anointing which, which contains within it possibilities, abilities, and empowerment for living, achieving, and accomplishing a desired outcome in your life. Everyone would want to have it, right? Right? If you ever heard about it, you'd be like, I need to have this thing. And that's what makes knowledge powerful. Because you can have it when you know it. It, 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 is, an, it is an awareness. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says, eyes has not seen, ears has not heard, neither has it entered in the hearts of man the things which God has reserved for those who wait, Isaiah says, on him. Then he says, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit who causes us to know the things which are freely to what to to know you shall know the truth you shall know and the truth shall make after you have known it you see that so there is such a thing 
called the anointing. There is such a thing called the anointing. And it is possible to have all its potentials in one's life operative. That anointing has capabilities. It has what? It has operational power to aid, to affect, and to impact its subject. Now, having that knowledge gives you a better positioning not only to call upon its operations, but to utilize the capabilities and possibilities it can afford you. So, he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus. Read it again. How? How God? It, isn't, isn't it strange that the Bible doesn't say God anointed? It says how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those that are oppressed by the devil because God was with him. How God? How? How? How refers to the process? It, it, it refers to the process by which Jesus was anointed. So, it, 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 there, there are those who are satisfied with the fact that Jesus is anointed. And that is amazing. That is great. Because what that offers them is an opportunity to be able to approach Him. Right? And, and receive of the benefits of that anointing. But there are those who... Take it a step further to discover how God actually anointed him. Because if, if you can discover how God actually anointed Jesus, then there's a possibility that if you follow the same process, you may discover that God would anoint you too. Because the possibilities of the anointing were not only limited to Jesus. Jesus was not the first man to be anointed. He was not the first to be anointed. There were men before Jesus whom were anointed by God. Hallelujah. So Jesus is, 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 is the epitome. The, the creme de la creme. The crux of what the anointing can do in a life, in a people, in a generation. 
but he was not the first. That means that the anointing or the anointment of man was not something exclusive to Jesus, but that man could and can be anointed by God. In other words, you are not excluded from that possibility. That you can be anointed by God to achieve, to accomplish a objective. Even more so to realize your dreams as well as his dreams for you. Because what the anointing of Jesus Christ reveals to us is that really God's dreams or man by the definition of God cannot be successful without the anointing. If a man is going to have relations with God, he, his success is going to de be defined by the anointing upon his life and what he does with that anointing. So it behooves all of us who have relations with God to really find out how God extends his work and operation in our lives to ensure that whatever dreams, whatever plans, whatever hopes he has of us stand a chance of coming to fruition. So you, you study the life of Jesus and then we begin to discover how. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost. Remember what I, what I told you, right, when we define what the anointing is. The anointing is a substance, right? The anointing is a substance. To be anointed is the process, right? And the substance of the anointing in this regard, as we read here, is synonymous to the Holy Ghost. So God anointed, painted Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus did good. And Jesus could heal. And Jesus could do things which were super, I mean, naturally impossible because he was anointed. Now, here's the question you, you, we've got to ask, right? Can the anointing replace natural practices? Can it? Can it? Was Jesus a physician? Was he a physician? Was he a doctor? How could he heal people if you were? What's a doctor? What's a physician? By definition, what's a doctor? What's a physician? Someone who has 
So he, he, he helps people medically, right? Right? That's a physician, right? How did he get that ability? Was he born with it? He, he administers that help through what? Through medical instruments and resources that are available, right? Right? Now, is that the best way to administer healing? Yeah? Is that the best way to administer healing? It's not. Yeah? I'm asking you a question. Based on what you know, is that the best way? Yeah? What's the best way then if it's not? What's the best way? Alright, question is, the wisdom of doctors, where does it come from? Doctors, where does it come from? From God or from somewhere else? From? Yeah? Where does it come from? Doctors, not, 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 not pharmacia, not medicine. I'm talking about doctors. Right? Physicians. Their wisdom, where, where does it come from? It comes from God. Yeah? How? Where does it come from? It comes from? It, or it comes from God, but it's not full. It's not from God. So, let's just say you have a broken hand, right? You broke your head, I mean your hand or something, right? Where do they rush you to? And then who, who, who takes care of you? Is he doing a good work? Yeah? Is he doing a good work? Yeah? I'm asking you a question. Is he doing a good work? Now, the Bible says Jesus went about doing and healing all them that were by the devil. So I'm saying when you have cancer or when you have something that they need to operate on and the doctor goes there and he operates it and you are well is he doing a good job yes. is that job of god is 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 that job of god no, sir. well who's it from then so 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 the devil wants you well Does the devil want you well? No. Does he want you well? No. He doesn't want you well. Yeah? So, can that operation be of the devil? No. It can't, right? Yes. Who is it from? God. From? 
From? God. From? God. Okay. Let's look into something, right? Turn to Genesis chapter 2 quickly. Genesis chapter 2. Because I want to answer something here, okay? I want to answer something and I'll help you understand something about what the anointing is and is not. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Can we read it? And the Lord God So God opened up Adam. God opened up his God. He is he could have brought Eve some other way. He could have said, Rib, come out of Adam's body. He is God. He is God. But God doesn't do that. God physically administers. Physically, not super, physically. Opens up Adam's flesh. God opens up Adam's flesh. God. Who? God. Who? God. Who? God. Who? God. No, say it. Let it come out of your mouth. God. You, God. Who? God. He did what? Open up Adam's flesh. He opened up Adam's flesh. And then from there, he took out, he cut God. Who? God. Question is, what instrument did he use? <laughs> That's a, that's a question. What instruments did he use? Because it's clear, because the Bible says after he closed up his flesh, that means he opened it up. So how did he close it? And how did he open it? And how did he take out the rib? Because afterward, there, there is no mention that Adam felt any pains, any side effects. There were no pains. <laughs> But a rib was taken out. How did he do it? So God, 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 who? God. Is creation's first surgeon. God is creation's first surgeon. So, surgeons, doctors, all get their skill from a reality already expressed in creation by God himself. Now, they were not anointed to do that. 
They accessed knowledge to do that. That skill did not come out of an anointing. The skill became an anointing after a period, a season of what? So whoever they learned from, the knowledge was passed down by God. That's why they can do good. That's why they can save lives. So, so a surgeon is the lowest form of the expression of an anointing. Jesus is the highest form of the expression of a surgeon. He is greater in that he does not need physical tools. His ability to heal is not limited to what is available physically. He can extrapolate and extract of the spiritual resources that are available to administer wholeness, healing to a human body. And the anointing is the bridge, is the tool, is the resource by which that healing is administered. So what makes the anointing different from a surgeon? What makes him different is the fact that a surgeon uses man's tool to do God's work. But an anointing uses God's empowerment to do that work. That means for a man to be categorically, uh, categorically classified as being anointed, he's got to do God's work with God's what? Resources, not with man's. Because the moment he is subjected to the usage of men's tools and resources available to do God's work, it's no longer an empowerment from above. You see that? It's what? It's, 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 it's a distillment of what is already available through the mercies of God. So God knowing of, of man's blindness of man's carnality provided him physical tools and resources in order for them to achieve a, a part of his will because God's will is that man be well, is that man be good. Now, he knew that there were people who would not accept the way of the anointing. So in his mercy, he did what? He brought lower classifications of resources that they could see and relate with. But when Jesus came, he proved to humanity that whatever man can do, can meneska. A man anointed by God can do better and greater. What makes me different from Jim Rohn is that Jim Rohn studied years to teach what he teach. 
What makes me different from Bob Proctor is that Bob Proctor read volumes and volumes of books to do what he do. Is he exceptional? One of the best. But what makes me different from them is that I don't need a book to transform a life. I can extract information. <laughs> you, you understand that? I can extract information from another dimension that can achieve the very same objectives. It's not by might. It's not by power. That's why God didn't want just anybody serving in the tabernacle. No, he said, I will put my spirit on them and then they will work. So the work done by a man endued of the spirit is different. And is seen differently by a work that's done. Bezaliel was already an artisan. He, he was already skilled. He, wa he was already a Smithsonian. Why did God need to anoint him? It was because what he was going to build originated in the heavens. He could not do it with human skill. He needed an empowerment to be able to access and read the plans, the dimensions of what God gave to what? To who? To, uh, to Moses. So even though he could read it, the, the picture could not come to be, even though he had the skill. He needed what? An anointing to do God's work. So anointings are given to do God's work or to enforce the desires of God in a place, in a people, in a person's life, in a nation, and in a generation. So in its operation, it is diverse. You see, there are family anointings. There are, there are national anointings. There are generational anointings. Depending on what God wants to achieve in your life, he must introduce an anointing that is consistent with that objective. So what is good for you may not what is good for you. So the anointing possesses an intelligence to know what Dineo needs that is good for her at that time in her life. And that same anointing can know what is good for you that is different from what is good for her. How God anointed Jesus. So the only thing special about Jesus did you hear what I said? Yes, the only thing special about Jesus as a man and his activities in his ministry was the fact that he was anointed. Without that anointing, Jesus is incapable of achieving those things which he did. Why? You may argue, but it's the word of God. 
So what? So what? So what? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't. So why did he wait 30 years? 30? Yes. How God painted Jesus Christ. So you need that painting in your life. For whatever it is that God may require of that life. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's, look, let's look at something that we looked at um, last week on uh, Isaiah 61. Let's look at that. Let's look at that quickly. <coughs> Too much of our lives are carried out through our own strength. And that's why there's so much failure and frustration. Because we... we we are not cognizant. We are not aware of the availability of the resource, the substance of the anointing. See, once you understand this, everything you do in your life, you would know that whatever you do with the anointing is an advantage. Somebody, somebody said, when, when, when talent meets talent, then talent ceases to be enough. Well, what is enough in those instances is an anointing. That's what's enough in those instances. Because a man who is anointed cannot be defeated. A man who is anointed cannot be defeated. Did you ask it? Cannot be defeated except by a man with a greater anointing. <laughs> you only lose to an anointing that is greater than yours. Now, let's read uh, 61. Quickly, let's read, read. The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit, the, the Spirit of the Lord God mm, is upon me. Is upon me. Yeah. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach Because the Lord has anointed. The Lord has anointed. So how does the, the Lord operate? He anoints. He anoints. He anoints. So how, how does the Lord operate? He anoints. He anoints. And you, you can know when you are anointed. It, it's not something, an abstract thing that happens without your consciousness. And your awareness. You can know. 
because the spirit will be upon you. <laughs> do, 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 when you have a headache, do you know? Yes. Do you know when you have a headache? Yes. Yeah? Yes. When you have pain in your body, do you know? Yes. So how would you not know when the spirit is upon you? How would you not know? Because if, if, all, if all those feelings, those sensations are perceptible to you, how will you not know when the spirit is upon you? Because the spirit is a person. Right? Close your eyes. Do you know there's somebody next to you? Yeah? Do you know there's somebody next to you? With your eyes closed, do you know? How do you know? Because you can? You can? You can? You can? That means there's, there's, there's a part of your receptacles that is able to pick up the energy from a person. Now, at any given point in time, they might carry less or more energy, right? Depending on their emotional states. This is Holy Ghost. That means it is, it is almost impossible to not feel, I'm using, I'm using that word very loosely, to not feel the, the, the spirit, the presence of the spirit upon you. One day, Delilah, <laughs> Delilah, <laughs> Delilah, oh, dear Lord Jesus, dear, dear Lord Jesus. So the Philistines couldn't defeat Samson. So they, start, they used a woman who happened to be the man's wife. So... The woman started to, you know, caress the man. Every time the man would come out from the field, he would lay down on her lap and she would, you know. <laughs> so how was your day, baby? Mm. Ah, my day was good, sweet pea. <laughs> Babe, tell me, what is, what is the secret of your power? What, what, is, what is the secret of your power? There are things that happen between man and God that his wife should never, ever know about. Oh, you don't know. Yeah, me, I don't keep anything from my wife. My wife knows everything. <laughs> when that devil presses that button and everything comes out, all your secrets come out, you lose power. You lose power. The power of a man is in his credibility. One day when you grow up, you'll remember this. 
Your power as a man, your power is in your credibility. We, 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 we rank you, we, we rank you based on your integrity, on your credibility. <laughs> Anyways. What's your secret? Uh, babes, God told my parents that the secret of my power should not be disclosed to anyone. You don't love me. You don't love me. Oh, sweetie, my lovey. Come on, why, how can you say that? You don't love me. The Bible says, when she had pestered him, tired him, wearied him with her much asking, What did he do? He did what? Wearied. Wearied. Delilah. Wearied. Oh, you. I don't want to talk about this, but it's coming. It's just coming. <laughs> so he let all his guards. Mm. Because he did what? She wearied. Let Delilah weary you. The, he, he, look at how the Delilah spirit enters. She does what? She does what? She, she juices and then she wearies you. <coughs> she, she, she does what? And then she wearies. This is a spirit. Jezebel does what? Jezebel is domineering. Controlling. <laughs> Boss. Delilah don't operate that way. Delilah wearies you. Hard questions. So, how do you think this thing is going to be done? Well, are you ready for it? Well, how are you going to do it? <laughs> well, are you sure? Like, are you sure about this thing? Delilah is in the house. <laughs> By how much question? Samson finally said, All right, babe, I I will tell you. I I will tell you everything. I will. And that's the end of you. I will tell you everything. Then she tells her that God said my hairs, the locks of my hair, should not be cut. If you study the Bible, most men lost their anointings through women. Most men lost their anointing through women.
Ahab, a woman. Adam, a woman. Samson, a woman. David, a woman. Mm. Mm. A woman. The most powerful species ever to be created. Angels fell through. They left their locality for angels fell. That's why you never see a woman around Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a woman. He, he had to eliminate that possibility because, listen, had there been a woman in Jesus' life, I can assure you, Jesus would not have finished his assignment very easily. Probably would have taken him eight years. Because of a? Not because of them. You, you don't understand. Not because of them as individuals. They are lovely creatures. <laughs> but because of their sustainability and prone and openness to... Women are open. They are more sensitive than men. Even in other dimensions, they are sensitive. <laughs> we'll talk about this, we'll talk about the dangers surrounding the anointing. Well, that's not what I really want to talk about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's coming out. <laughs> it's coming out. So, uh, <laughs> can you see how, how like diametrically opposed what we were just talking about a few minutes ago and now it's coming out who because you heeded the voice of your wife what, why did Adam fall he was no alpha he took the role of what he took the role of a what He took the role of a what? A beta. He was not an alpha male. When God created him, he was an alpha. Alpha means first. That's what alpha means, leader. When God made Adam, he was an alpha. And then Eve came, he became a beta. And, God, and then God said, God said something striking. He said, because you listened to the voice of your wife, cursed. Mm. <coughs> <laughs> because you listen to curse God was not saying don't listen to your wife that's not what God was saying because what, what had happened there was roles were substituted 
You see, Satan purposefully broke the or intentional. That what that's what his that was his intention to break the the protocol, the structure of the household. He speaks to the woman. He says, "Did God really say Adam is there?" He speaks to the woman. He Adam is the, Adam is not somewhere alusinko money. He's right there. <laughs> Did God really say, thou shalt... And, and then who lifts her voice? Who lifts... Who, who replies? Why is Adam silenced? Uh, listen to me. If your husband is your husband and you married... It doesn't matter how many times he flops, it doesn't change who he is. He is your husband. You chose to marry him. Otherwise, divorce him. But as long as he is your husband, he is not obliged, after he has done mistakes, for his roles in the marriage to change. Because many, many, many women are manipulative. After the man has done a mistake, it's an opportunity for them now to take over. <laughs> All of a sudden, they control everything now. Ah, Asila, ah, Asila, ah, Asila. And then a man ends up being like this. Echo, uh eh. You are sitting in an interview, people are talking, a question is asked, your wife replies. Why is she replying? Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, uh. There's an interview I, I, I once watched. They were interviewing a man of God and his wife. 89% of the answers came from the wife. Already you knew that who's the boss of that. Of that. Anyways, let's get out of there. So Adam, Adam, I mean, not Adam, Samson, finally tells Delilah, right? And then Delilah, you know, caresses him to sleep. When he's asleep, Delilah runs and says, I finally know what his secret is. I will cut off his hair and then you will come in. He's sleeping. Takes a razor, cuts off his hair. They're at the gate. And then <laughs> Delilah says, Sammy, Sammy, the Philistines are here. He's not aware that the spirit has left him. Samson said, no worries, babe. I will shake myself as at other times. That means he, he, he could feel when the spirit was there. Right? Ordinarily. This time, he goes and does whatever he does. He shakes himself. The spirit doesn't come. He shakes himself. The spirit doesn't come. Because the Bible says he did not know that the spirit had departed. 
After a while, he realized when that power didn't come, he realized then. Toward the end, he made a prayer that God answers. And the Bible says, and his sight and might returned to him. That means he, he could feel when that spirit came on him. So, except the, the spirit came, he could not be functional. This was a man who carried the gates with its, door, with it, with, with its posts of a city. Not of a house, of a city. It is because the spirit of the Lord was mightily upon him. So, in, 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 our, in our verse he says, And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because so the spirit comes upon to do what to anoint so one of the ministries of the holy ghost is to anoint men for specific functions or for assignments goals and accomplishments both god word and from your own life. So he says, one of the duties of the anointing, read it. He's, he's anointed me, read from there. Because the Lord, yeah, because the Lord God. The Lord God has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. That means there is an anointing that can rid men of poverty. And we explained that last week, right? And we said it comes through what? Through preaching. Through? 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 Here's what's interesting. When Jesus could not heal, when Jesus could not heal, or do no mighty works in Nazareth, you know what, what he resorted to? Do you know? He, what did he resort to? Why? Because the cure for the inoperation of God's power in a man's life is preaching. That means you're, you're, you're the first indicator that you are ready for, for, for change whether bodily, financially, in your life in general, is if you are able to in, endure, handle, absorb, receive teaching. Because it is easier to receive teaching than the administration of power. And the mystery behind that is that behind teaching is the administration of power. So it will be much easier to receive power after preaching and teaching than it is for you to receive it without those things ever being present. So probably Jesus assumed that they knew who he was. So he didn't enter the city and, and preached first. He entered the city and did miracles and it did not work. And he realized, ah, let's, 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 let's go back to the first principle. I preach it. He started preaching and I can assure you, when he left there, the results were different. Why? Because 
preaching and teaching are anointings that deal with strongholds. It is one of the reasons why when we come to church, you must be preached to more than any other thing. Because that is where the anointing, oh God Almighty. Let's, let's read, let's read, let's read. Give him, give, him, give him volume there, give him volume there. So, let's read. Because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel. Number one, he's anointed me to do what again? To continue? He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Right? Yeah? To proclaim, to proclaim liberty. To preach deliver. Who has King James? You have King James? Yeah? Get me, get me, read me King James. To what? To bind up. To bandage them. Through the anointing. Yeah? To proclaim, um, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. How, how, how is admi- by, by the anointing? How is deliverance to be administered to a people? It says through proclamation. Because the captive don't know that they are free. <laughs> they don't know that I died. So he says, at the moment of proclamation, the stronghold that lied to them and has been lying to them is broken. So to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the sight of the blind. He says, all that is administered by the anointing. So the first and most important medium of the transportation of the anointing is preaching. So according to God, preachers, preachers, preachers are a priority in the administration of God's government. Because everything that God is going to deliver into your life, Dineo, is going to come through preaching. The Bible says, has now in due time manifested the word, the word of eternal life, through the preaching of the eternal gospel. So preaching is an anointing through which God delivers his people. Not prayed out, preached out. Are you listening to that? So instead of seeking people to pray over you, to pray deliverance over you, he says the key to deliverance is preaching. The key to total deliverance is preaching. Now that means God is aware that men are abound. God is aware that men abound. Um, um, John, John, First John, First John chapter three. First John chapter three. 
हालिया फर्स्ट जॉन शब्द थ्री वर्स एट ही हु सीन्स इज ऑफ द डेवल फॉर द डेवल एज सीन फ्रॉम द बिगिनिंग फॉर दिस पर्पज फॉर दिस पर्पज फॉर दिस पर्पज वॉट पर्पज वॉट द पर्पज ऑफ सीन द पर्पज ऑफ होल्ड 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 दैट थॉट Hold that thought. Go to Romans chapter six. Go to Romans chapter six. Are we there? Knowing this, verse six. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer, or should no longer be slaves. of sin did, did, did you read that that it should no longer be what verse 13 verse 12 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal do not let do that 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 means that you you can stop you can stop sin from ruling over you you do not let it is a god will do it he says do not let sin reign over your mortal body yeah continue that you should obey in its lust that you should obey in its lust yeah and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to god for sin shall not have dominion over you so that means god was aware that sin has had dominion over man he was he was aware that sin had been domineering over man ah uh, romans chapter 5 the king of this world is sin <laughs> um romans chapter 5 Verse 12. Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the world until the law sin was in the world but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam who is a type of him who was to come. but the free gift is not like the offense for if by one man's offense many died if by one man's so this is how sin came into the world this is how death began to reign among the race of men and he says he says that for this purpose for this purpose the son of god was manifested to destroy the works of the devil to destroy the works of the how god anointed jesus who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed by the devil oppressed by the devil 
So the, the primary and first priority of the anointing of God is your liberation is your liberation, your freedom from the clutches of the wicked one. When, when, when we study the anointing and we look at its purpose, we realize that its first primary objective is your liberation, is your freedom, is your emancipation from the reign of sin, of death, and of the devil. Because as long as that presence is over your life, it is difficult to express the God potentials, the God plans and will in this world. So he does what? He comes upon man. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To preach. To what? To what? To what? Good news. Uh, Romans chapter 1, quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Martha Gelesezebade. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Yeah, whom I serve. Whom I serve with? In the gospel of his son. In the gospel of his son. In the gospel of his son. Verse 16. For Read it again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone For it is the power, my. It is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Unto salvation. To them. That is to say that in, in the same way the doctors can heal you and help you physically, he says, the gospel can do it. <laughs> in the same way that a psychiatrist or psychologist can help you get your mental things right. He says, the gospel can help you. He says, the same way, the same way banks and institutions can borrow you money and help you. He says, the gospel can help you. In other words, the gospel can do what every institution of man can do. This is, this is the most remarkable truth in all the world. In all the world, it, it, is, it, it is the most remarkable truth 
in all the world that the gospel can save you. The gospel can rid your life of poverty. The gospel can rid your life of sin. The, gos- the gospel, because that gospel is the power. It does not have it. It is the power. You understand? So when he says, the spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel. Hey, what, what, what is he saying? He's saying the power of God is to be preached. The power of God is to be preached. The only way men will be delivered from their poverty is if that power is preached. He says, he has anointed me. He has anointed me. That means men must be anointed to handle gospel truth. That without an anointing, it is impossible to handle gospel truth. Because that truth is power. And guess what? God has given each one of us that ability to handle gospel truth. First John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27. Because the question you, you, you got to ask yourself is, do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you have the Holy Ghost? That's the question. Do you have the Holy Ghost? If you have the Holy Ghost, that means you have access to His anointings. What makes the presence or the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit greater than His presence upon man in the Old Testament is the fact that in the Old Testament, they needed to wait for the anointing to come. In the New Testament, we don't need to wait for the anointing to come. I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm telling you today that if there's ever a need in your life that requires an anointing, you, you do not need to wait, nor do you need to ask God to anoint you. Read 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from but, but, but you have? You have? You have? You have? You have? You have? Who has an anointing? Who has an anointing? You have an anointing. Yeah? From the Holy One. And you know all things. Uh-uh. Do you know all things? I'm asking a question. But he says you know all things. But do you know all things? He says you know all things. Do you know all things? That means, Chris, because of the presence of the anointing of God in you, you actually don't need any book in this world 
to access the information and the knowledge you require to change anything. It says you have an anointing. You have that anointing is a library. That anointing is a university. And he says you have it. That anointing is a cause, is a wealth cause. <laughs> that, that anointing is a master class. That anointing is a university degree. That, an <laughs> that anointing is, is a university. You, you have an anointing. Read it, read it. Uh, look at your Bible. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Uh, and you know all things. Mm, continue. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and there are no lies of the truth. If you know all things, that means you cannot be lied to. The, the only time you can be lied to is if you let yourself be lied to. Or if that anointing is not operational. But he says, as long as that anointing in you is operational, no man can lie to you. You can know when truth is spoken, even when you have no previous access to that knowledge. Read verse 27. But the the anointing which you have the anointing the anointing the anointing which you are not going to receive the anointing which you have receive where is it <laughs> where is it on you it was on Jesus he says it's in you Oh, oh, uh, that means all the help you've been looking for has always been inside you. It's always been inside. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, read from verse 4. Colossians chapter 2, two. Read, read, read from verse 4. Read, please. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, mm. yet I am pleased. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. As, as therefore you have what? Received Christ Jesus. As therefore you have what? Received Christ Jesus. Who, who, who is Christ Jesus? It says you have received him. You have received, you have received the Christ. You have received Christ. Remember, Christ is not Jesus. Christ is an office. Christ is the office 
that Jesus inherited when the Holy Spirit came on him. Before the Holy Spirit came, he was Jesus of Nazareth. After the Holy Spirit came, he was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, now he says you have received Christ. You have received Christ. You have received the office of Christ. Now, who, who is Christ? Christ is called the anointed one. You understand that? So he became Jesus the anointed. That means after you receive that spirit, you have become Chris the anointed. You are Mike the anointed. That means you, you can go around today calling yourself Mike Christ. Gosana Christ, because you have received that office. So he says, I am Jesus Christ. So he, now there's a reason why, there's a reason why he had to call himself Jesus Christ. Because he had to consciously and consistently attach himself, associate himself with the anointing. So he says, I am Jesus, the anointed. So, so what that did is that it brought in a Christ consciousness, an anointing consciousness. That's why he was always aware that he could do what no man can do because he was Christ the anointed. When men looked and said, this is impossible, he stepped in and said, but I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus the anointed. I'm Jesus the anointed. When all hope was lost, he said, I'm Jesus the anointed. Why? Because that anointing, empowered him with superhuman ability. So he says, you have received Christ, our Lord. You have received Christ. You, you, you heard me say that because of the anointing, any information, any knowledge you require, you don't need a book, a textbook, to access and utilize. You don't. You don't. What books did Jesus read in order to know how to heal people? In order for him to know how to perform surgery without the incisions that are required. To dissolve cancer. How, how, what book did he read? What, what scientific book did Jesus come in contact with that made him be, be able to restore maimed, amputated legs, amputated arms? What book did he require to multiply the fish and the loaves of bread? What book did he require? What scientific knowledge did he need to have to walk on water? All the knowledge in the world is but a fraction of the knowledge that is available in the universe. And all that knowledge that is not known among men is computed in Jesus. Now, read, read, read verse 2 in, and verse 3. Verse 2, verse 2, Colossians 2, 2. 
that, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together, yeah, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance, yeah, mm. Mm. that's that's big stuff there, <laughs> yeah, in whom are what, in where, in whom Christ, 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 in whom. Uh, in whom? In whom? What's hidden in Christ? Read there. In 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 who? In who? Is he the same Christ whom you have received? In him are hid all the treasures. That that means whatever is revealed in this world as knowledge. Whatever is revealed in this world that is knowledge that is wisdom he says it's not the half of what's in christ he didn't say in whom all the available knowledge in the world is in no he said in whom are hidden that means whatever man has been able to achieve in this world with the knowledge that is revealed what more of those who have access to the knowledge that is hidden. He, he, he emphatically tells you, he's telling you that every treasure of knowledge and wisdom is in you. And, and through the anointing which already abides in you can be accessed. How, how, did, how, how did Solomon speak of trees and birds? How did, he speak, how, how, how did he speak of all these things, having no prior learning of them? The Bible says the kings of the earth gathered themselves around him to hear his wisdom given in a dream. The whole world gathered to find out about things that they were confused about from a man who got that knowledge, not by studying for years, but by dreaming. And he says, Matthew chapter 12. You, you, know what, you know what the Bible is talking about? When it says the, he, the hidden treasures? It's, it's wisdom and knowledge that was not even privy to Solomon. Let's read. Let's read. It, it's, by, it's by his wisdom that he amassed so much wealth, right? Yes, sir. It's by his wisdom. Now, one more of the wisdom of Christ. And he says that wisdom is access through the anointing, which you have. Which you that means you, you can use that anointing to grow and scale your business. You can use that anointing and the knowledge that it brings you, the advantage that it gives you to grow and scale your career. That means at any point in your life, you can access knowledge that is not available in, in the universities of the world to advance 
your life, to, to bring your life into the next level. How God anointed. Let's finish reading. What did I say? Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 30. Hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God, my God. Hey, hey. My God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God, my God. My God, my In fact, let's just leave it. Let's just leave it. But Jesus said to them, he says, a greater than Solomon is here. Why would Jesus say a greater than Solomon is here? And, and that means by virtue of association with Jesus, you are greater than Solomon. Now, this is where the dilemma of the anointing comes in. Because you have all this knowledge by right and by title, yet your life is opposed and contrasted to the realities that it brought other men who operated a fraction of what you have. How God. Now that's where the process of understanding how the anointing is, what it is, how it can get to work, the systems that regulate it, the principles, the laws that govern its operation comes into play. Because he says, you're, it's not a question about whether or not you need an anointing, you have an anointing, but that anointing is not working because you don't seem to know what you should know, even though you know all things in reality. So that means that that anointing is dormant, is domicile, and it is useless to you because it, it is not active. So it's possible to be anointed and not reap of the benefits of that anointing. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. It's possible to have a library inside you a university inside you and be dumb and folly. Why? Because now that you have it, it's not its responsibility to work. It's your responsibility to make it work. So I said to you that in Christ, you don't need to cry for the anointing. What you need is for his operation. What you need is for his activation. And what you need is his activity. So how do you then begin to enter and access those capabilities that are within you because you have received it. It abides in you. Well, let's go back to Isaiah 61 and then we'll come back here maybe later on. Isaiah 61. He says, 
Anointed to preach the gospel, which is the power of God. Anointed to preach to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. What's the, what's the ne next phase? The opening of the prison doors to the bound, yeah? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is, that is amazing. You know what's the acceptable year of the Lord, right? It's Jubilee. So, so, so Jesus, every time the gospel is preached, every time the anointing is present, the, it, is, it is for you the acceptable year of the Lord. What, what the Jews experience every other 50 years, you can experience under an anointing. <laughs> the acceptable year of the Lord. The day of vengeance. That means the anointing, the anointing activated can bring vengeance for you. That's why he says, do not repay evil for evil. No, what you need is an anointing. Says the vengeance to comfort all those. Why do others take time to heal? They lack anointing. So the anointing can comfort you. Hmm. Yeah? To console those who mourn in Zion. To give beauty. Ashes refers to shame. Since the anointing can remove the shame, the ashes of shame from your life and replace it with beauty. So the anointing can beautify your life. The anointing can beautify, can bring beauty to your life. Mm. Continue. The oil, of joy for the oil of joy for money. All those are brought about. Yeah? You see, you, did, did, did you see that? Did you see that? He said the, the what? The garment of praise. The oil of Joy. For Morning. the last two, the last two that are presented there are, don't only come with the anointing, but they bring the anointing. It says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That means if you are heavy in your life, there's no anointing. Or rather, the, the anointing is not operation, operational. So he says you can bring it. He inhabits the praises of his people. So it looks to me, yeah, continue reading there. That they may be called trees of righteousness. Yeah. Planting of the Lord. Yeah. That he may be glorified. Ah, yeah. And they shall reveal the whole ruin. Oh my God, yeah. They shall yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. And the sons of the foreigners shall 
That's remarkable. That's remarkable because he's telling you that one of the major secrets to the anointing is the priesthood and ministry unto God. Now, God said something about the priests and the Levites. He said, they shall not have any portion in the field for I, the Lord, am your portion. In other words, the, the, the other tribes were supposed to work for the priest. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other tribes were, were supposed to plow for the priests because God said you shall make sure that you do not forget the Levi and the priests would serve and administer in the sanctuary. So whenever they were working, whatever reward or fruit or harvest they got from their work, a portion of it belonged to the priest. That's why he said you shall eat the wealth and the riches of the Gentiles. In other words, in God's mind, the world is working for you. Amen. But you are absent from your office. So the world is full of a bunch of anointed, ignorant priests who are broke empty, defeated, deflated, in the dark, blind, poor, full of shame, full of ashes, no beauty, yet that is their portion. That means that these are matters of the anointing. These are matters of the anointing. That means those are areas where the anointing in our lives has not addressed. So there's no empowerment. There's no divine substance. There's no operation and administration of Holy Ghost. But how God, how, 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How? Say how. How? If, if you haven't listened to Friday's teaching, listen to it. Listen. If you have listened to it, listen to it. The secret is there. Samson said, I will shake myself. As I, we'll talk about this. But Samson said, I will shake myself as at other times. That means he was not always anointed. That means the anointing was not always operational. But it came at specific times. At specific occasions. And, and he, he, he had to do something in order for it to come on him. Ah. Can you? Can I show you something? Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. Kala mose kelezegele badai. 
Shada Baele Kose Teke Malagabradia. Oh, anoint me, anoint me, holy, holy, holy ghost. Ah. Oh, rivers flow, rivers flow, rivers flow. Out of my belly rivers flow Out of my belly rivers, rivers flow Come on, let those rivers begin to flow He that hungers He that hungers and thirsts He that hungers He that hungers and thirsts flow rivers flow rivers flow rivers flow rivers flow rivers flow you know everything that we need it or we need <laughs> to get the anointing of God to flow lies with us. First thing Jesus said when he spoke of the Holy Ghost, he said, if you hunger, if you thirst, he that thirsts, he says, let him come drink. You see, the, the key into the anointing is drinking. Is, is drinking. You, you get that? And, and, and how much of the flow comes from within, not, not without, how much of the flow comes from within is reliant upon how much you drink. Be not drunk. Be not drunk. You don't get drunk after one bottle. You don't get drunk after two bottles. You don't get drunk after three bottles. You get drunk after several bottles, right? He said, be not drunk with wine. In other words, the same process of getting filled with the Holy Ghost, of getting the anointing of God to begin overflowing is the same process that is used for drunkards. The only difference is that you don't drink wine. You drink Jesus. You don't drink wine. You drink the spirit. You understand that? The spirit. That's why there are spirits in alcohol. Because that's what intoxicates. It is the spirit in Jesus that intoxicates. So he says, drink. So if you have a need in your life, or if you have something that needs to change in your life, or if you need knowledge or information, the answer is already with you. He says, do not say who will bring Christ up from the dead or who will bring him down. He says, for your help is even near you. Your help is already with you. Your help is not in heaven. 
Your help is not under the earth. Your help is right there. It says it is near you. Even the word of faith which we preach. So what, we, what do you do? You do what, what I was going to read you. He said, I remind you to stir the gift. To set ablaze. You understand that? To set ablaze the gift which is in you. So the anointing is in you. It is a gift from God. So what do you do? You stir it. You, you understand that? You set it ablaze. That means there are times in your life when, when the flames, the fires, the embers of the anointing have subsided. But you need fire to burn. He says at that time you must begin to start a fire. God will not start the fire for you. You understand that? He will not start the fire for you because you already have everything that is required. You have the wood. You have the matches. What is required now is for you to start the fire. How do you start the fire? In the olden times, they would use sparks to start fire. And after the, the sparks have lighted upon the corium, what they would do is that they would blow. They would blow while they would stir the fire so that they, the, 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 the fire or the spark catches light with whatever it is they want to burn. It is the same way with you, my brother and my sister. There are needs in your life that only the anointing can address. There are needs in your life that only the anointing within, the anointing arisen. Jesus said, it is after you have drunk that rivers flow. So what you do, you go into your chambers. You say, I stir my gift. I stir my anointing. My name is Ngosana the anointed. Anointing begin to rise. We have an issue to deal with. We have a matter to address. We have a solution to bring up. We have an answer to bring forth. Anointing within. Arise. Arise. Let the rivers flow. Out of my belly. Out of my belly shall rivers flow. a change to bring a solution rivers flow rivers flow rivers 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 of living water What, what Satan wants you to do is drink from a different well. What Satan wants you to do is drink from the well that kills, the well that steals, the well that destroys. That well never satisfies. But there's a water that springs, that springs from the depth of God and out of his belly. Rivers of living water flow.
This is, this is how you're going to stir the anointing in your life. This is how you're going to stir the anointing. This is how you stir it. This is how you stir it for the needs that arise in your life. The help is already there. What you do is that you get yourself, you get yourself drunk. He says, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. You, be filled, be filled. That means that the wine of the Spirit is, is available. Is available. It shall be that at that day, I will pour out my Spirit upon your sons and your daughters. Now, now, he, he, he pours. He pours. He's already poured. You understand that? What we do is we drink. These are moments, my brother. These are moments, my sister. Where you put on some prayer warfare instrumental. Or you put on some prophetic teaching. You shut your doors. You say, Father, I will stay here until I'm drunk. I will stay here until the answer arises. I will stay here until the anointing is quickened. And you My mother will leave her. My father will leave her. My affairs will be in order. By the power, by the power, by the power, by the power, by the power. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers. Let the rivers. Let the rivers. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers on me. Let the rivers on me. anointing the anointing is a very intelligent substance it is a very intelligent substance Paul said something he says do not neglect do not neglect the gift do not neglect the anointing it, it knows when it not, it's not being used and when it's not being used it recedes it receives you in operation. Neglect will cause the anointing of God on your life to subside. If neglect can quench its fires, 
That means consciousness, awareness can stir the embers. I told you that's why Jesus, I am the anointed. I am the Christ. So you can look over every matter, every situation, every circumstance and say, I have the Christ in me. I have the anointing in me. You will change. You will move out of my way. The things which men think are foolish, that is the mystery to your salvation. The things which men think they are stupid, that is the mystery to change. Hallelujah. 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 Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. I, I just have two minutes. But let me tell you this. When they dig oil wells, when they drill oil wells, the oil is not in the surface. The oil is not where man can see. The oil is not where it is readily available. If prayer is digging, the oil may not be 30 minutes in. The oil, if prayer is digging, may not be one hour in. Your oil may not be two hours in. Your oil may need to go deeper. Your oil may need three more hours. Your oil may need five more hours. Your oil may need maybe 10 more hours. That, that, that is the reason why we give up too soon. Right when we are about at the edge of that oil gusher, we stop. Say, no, I've been going on too long. If you know there's oil there, you will not stop. It's not, listen, listen. The, the fact that the oil is not coming out now does not mean that the oil is not there. It might mean that it's a little bit deeper. The oil is already in you. The fact that it's not coming out when you are 30 minutes in does not tell you that the oil is not there. My brother, my sister, maybe you just need to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you just need to go a little bit in, a little bit in, a little bit in. And what can help you is if you tell yourself, until the gusher comes, I am not leaving this place. Because you have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have, you have an anointing. That anointing that destroys yokes. That anointing that lifts burdens. That anointing that removes poverty, shame. That anointing that removes despondency. That anointing that brings fulfillment. That anointing that brings joy in your life. That anointing that brings jubilee. That anointing that brings freedom. It's in you. It's in you. You just have to dig and dig until the rivers flow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God.